Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in season four. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Well, folks, it is a Friday afternoon. You know what? We always lose track of time these days, and I just did it. It is actually a Friday morning. (laughs) <laughs> 10 a.m. on the East Coast. It, it's a Friday. I know that much. I think it's the last Friday of the month of May. How many weeks have you been staying at home or, well, wearing a mask or listening to, well, you know, the bad news on TV? Just last night, we had riots and everything. Folks, we're losing our minds out there. However, You are now listening to Beyond Clean with Ace, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. And we haven't been with you lately for the one big reason. We've been teaching classes. I want to start this after this morning. This morning. See, I'm going to do it again. I want to start (laughs) this morning by saying thank you to all of the hundreds of people that have come to the academy for their education during the last 90 days. Your, 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 your engagement, your excitement, your, your willingness to learn about professional cleaning has been inspirational. And hopefully today we're going to hear from, uh, well, somebody other than, you know, hey, you don't want to listen to me all the time, you know, but maybe you do. I don't know. So if you've been with me before, you know I like to talk, but I'm not going to do all the talking today because I have with us today Chris Tuff. Are you there, Chris? Yes, let's do uh, this. You scared me there for a minute. I thought all of a sudden we lost Chris. Oh, yeah, you lost me after the, the morning versus afternoon. It just means <laughs> that you've been so productive today that you think it's the afternoon. How about that? Well, you, here, here's the problem, Chris, and I just didn't I didn't really want to go there, but I start my day about 3 o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, uh, so it is your afternoon. It, it, <laughs> it's for me, it is, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Chris, uh, you know, your book, The Millennial Whisperer, and I, I actually told somebody I was going to have you on the podcast today, and they said, who's the millennial whisperer? You're not a millennial. Why are you listening to this guy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think it comes back to, you know, uh, actually it was Tommy Breedlove who's been on your show. I, he was the one that was the catalyst for – the book itself as we are on an executive retreat with a bunch of, you know, small business owners as well as some executives. And, you know, I had never met Tommy before and I introduced myself and we have 390 employees at my organization where I'm a partner. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, I kind of looked around, I was like, I don't really know what I do anymore, but I've kind of become the millennial whisperer. And then, you know, I kind of shared my story and I sat down next to the fire. Tommy looks at me with his big blue eyes and his like deep southern draw. And he goes, you better write that book. And some of the other guys uh, were like, yeah. So 
Chris, like, what kind of stuff do you do? I can't stand these millennials. And I started telling them some of the tactics that I, that I used. And uh, it was about three weeks later, four of them called me. And they were like, Chris, I started using some of those pointers you gave me. And they're having the biggest impact on my art. You know, people are happier. They're staying longer. Like, you got to write this book. So I wrote the book. And, you know, here we are about 14 months since publishing or 15 months. And uh, we've sold almost 100,000 copies. And I've, I've done big engagements with Nike. But, you know, one of the things and why I'm so excited to talk to you is one of my passion points and where – I feel like we've had the biggest impact is actually with small businesses, whether it be dentist office, et cetera. So I, I'm excited to be here this morning, not this afternoon. Yeah. Well, you know, the cleaning industry is full of small businesses. I mean, you know, yes, we have our large ones, but, uh, you know, and I don't know if you know much about the cleaning industry, Chris, but most, uh, you know, 80% of the contractors out there that do contract cleaning, don't sell, don't operate with more than $200,000 annual income a year. Now, you're talking mm-hmm. small businesses. Totally. Now, you know, everybody thinks of cleaning business is big, but, you know, our industry is made up hugely. Yeah, that's not really a good word, is it? Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> hey, it, it's live and, I, and it's a Friday. I, it, I, I, and folks, I got to tell you, I don't have my rum and coke in front of me yet. But it's coming yet today. It's been a long week. Yeah. But, you know, the thing here is, is these, these are people that, well, they, they're challenged. They don't understand. They don't have time to really look at what the tactical ways are to, to do things. And I think one of the things I saw on a review of your book was, is it says, to help us leaders uncover tactical ways to turn millennials into secret weapons? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, one, one of my favorite quotes since publishing is, is this uh, millennials aren't the problem. They just expose all the problems. And, you know, oh. we were talking about it before we went live, but we've got five generations in the workplace. And one of the things I want to emphasize is that I'm not saying that we've got to change all of our organizations just to adapt to the millennials. There's, a way that and it's not just millennials, it's also now Gen Zers that are entering the marketplace. And so instead, what we need to look at is as an organization across all five of those generations, how can we adapt a little bit faster? I mean, you're an anomaly. Here you are, you know, taking on. I mean, I had a hard time trying to figure out the, the technology to get onto this thing. And I mean, you're an early adopter and super quick with all this stuff. And, you know, one of the big pieces that I keep hearing about during this pandemic is that, you know, that this has been a test of all things weak, you know, weak business models, weak culture, weak relationships. And what I emphasize in the book and the tactics and the points is really not that far-fetched from a lot of things that we all desire as human beings. And that really comes down to connection right? Connection with our people, connection with our bosses, connection with one another. And the other side of it is really this emphasis around empathy. And that's having, you know, being empathetic towards one another. And if we just shift a few things in those areas uh, and understand that the world is changing around us and it's, it's up to us to adapt, then I think we'd all be happier, more fulfilled, and more productive. And the biggest thing that I run into 
The third biggest thing, for example, that organizations that millennials and Gen Zers want is work flexibility, which up until this pandemic has not been very well adopted outside of tech, you know, the tech kind of uh, firms. And, you know, the one thing I run out up against is, well, I had to do it this way. Why don't they? And those are the things that I'm trying to help organizations, big and small, overcome. Well, as you said that, I was thinking, you know, this pandemic has caused a lot of organizations to make changes that they they knew they needed to do, but didn't want to take the time to look at. Exactly. Uh, and, I, and one of the things that I've realized here at the academy is we've been doing remote learning for about four years, but we couldn't hardly get anybody to do it. We got a few here and there. And this last month, I think we ran nearly 300 people through remote learning, which is only indicative of what you're saying. But the, I, I want to go back to the weaknesses. We've got five generations, as you mentioned. Have you been able to find any of those weaknesses that we can commonly share sure. and, and, and work with? I mean, there's got to be some. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the big things that I like to kind of talk about is, why are the generations the way they are? And then also, you know, so what are the sociological impacts of what makes us the way we are, right? And there are certain stereotypes that are true of millennials and Gen Zers, right? Needy being one of those, right? And we've got to look at, there are two key components of what makes this generation different than any others. And one is the adoption of technology. So social media and technology and how that has created a um, one, a need for almost instant gratification, right? Uh, and then the other piece of it was when the recession of 2008 either hit them in the marketplace, older millennials who are now 38 um, were in the marketplace and were forced to kind of become more entrepreneurial versus younger millennials who saw their mom and dad lose their jobs. And so it's kind of with those two big things that has had such an impact on why we are the way we are. And even if you look at social media, we've all been impacted to a certain extent. And I call it the Pinterestation of a generation, right? Where we can all attest to that first week of school come August or September, all of our social feeds are filled with these beautiful pictures of people's first day of school. And it's Abigail holding up this kind of, you know, this sign that it's Abigail's first day and it, and it lists her favorite food and you know what what she's good at and everyone's smiling and to get that i mean it was probably 30 bucks just to buy that sign it took 30 different shots and the only people that really care about it are abigail's parents and grandparents let's be honest and so you know it's this kind of this what social media has done in terms of influencing all generations is what i tell my kind of younger crew of millennials and Gen Zers is stop comparing your insides to other people's outsides. And I share an embarrassing story about how, listen, like I too have done it. And I share a story about how four years ago I was on a, uh, at a wedding in, in uh, Sun Valley, Idaho, and I hired a fishing guide. And I said to the fishing guide, I was like, listen, I don't really want to fish. I just want two shots. I want a picture of the trout with the net behind it. And I want, like, I was like, have you ever seen a river run through it with Brad Pitt? I want a, like a video of me kind of Brad Pitting it in the, in the river. And this guy looks at me and he's like, are you kidding me? You're going to pay $600 for an Instagram post? I'm like, no, it's $300 each. Let's go. 
And, you know, I, I, I share that with both, both kind of the vulnerability side of like, listen, I've done it. Okay. I'm a victim of what you guys do. But the other thing is, is also leads into what I call my 70, 30 rule and my 70, 30 rules, 30% of life and your job is just going to suck. So suck it up. And, you know, 70% should, 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 should kind of fire you up and fuel you up. But Tactically, what I have people do on their first day, I say, take your job description. Let's figure out what's in your 70 and what's in your 30. And if you feel like it's not 70-30, maybe it's 50-50, let's figure out other ways that we can continue to inspire you with continuous learning, with different courses. But what I can promise you is that you're going to come to work feeling fulfilled and wanting to come in every morning. And if that's not the case, then we should discuss that. But once again, let's figure out what's in your 70, what's in your 30. And even for me, this helps because like for me, everything in my 30s, like finances, anything in Excel, and as I'm doing those things, budgets, right? And as I'm doing those things, I'm like, oh, well, this is just in my 30% zone of suck. So I just got to work through this until I get to the other side to where I can do the things that fire me up and fuel me up. But, you know, it's so, so it's really some of those tactics that I talk about um, in the millennial whisper and and, you know, in these conversations are so important to not only the millennials and the Gen Zers, but also I think for each one of us as we've adopted certain aspects of, of technology and social media to, to mold the way that we are. So let, let's tell the audience here, uh, we're now about 10 minutes into our conversation. Let's tell the audience kind of how did you come about, you know, because I think we all have heard this. I wrote a book. Somebody told me I should. So I wrote a book and then it's like, yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I mean, um, you know, those of us that are inspired, those of us that are pushing the envelope, this is kind of typical. And uh, how did you come about the book? And, and what you, you said you work for a company, so you don't just write books. No. So, yeah, uh, that's a good point. I never had any intention of writing a book. And I blame all of that on Tommy Breedlove, who once again inspired it on this executive retreat. But, you know, my whole life, I, I talk about currencies, you know, and my whole life was built around this currency of uh, being kind of the social media and digital media guy. And I fell into that after 64 failed job interviews, lucky 65th. Uh, was at a digital advertising firm. And uh, I kind of bounced around a lot, typical kind of millennial-esque, I guess, even though I'm one year off of being a millennial. But you know, I, I kind of was bouncing around for five years until I found in 2006 my zone of excellence of kind of you know what I was passionate about but also good at, which was right as social media was starting to become a big thing. So I worked directly with Mark Zuckerberg and the team at Facebook in 2006 as they moved from colleges to the general public. And it was through that that I kind of fell into this amazing space that I was so passionate about and ended up really building this currency around. And, you know, I did that. That's what brought me to my advertising firm where I'm a partner 11 years ago was to help build that out. And as I've looked around all the time, it's I've always been surrounded by younger people. And so millennials, older millennials, all the way down to younger millennials. And one thing that drove me crazy was one, the, the stereotypes that come along with them, but two, that we try to just put this one classification to a massive generation, right? So, I mean, an application that's 
millennials are 19 were born between 1981 and 1996 that's 38 year olds to 24 year olds and now we're seeing the gen zers and to even classify all those as one generation is a bad approach so one of the things that right at the outset of my book uh i say we got to classify them into two one older millennials and two younger millennials and you know the reason for that is the two things one when they adopted technology older millennials they did they had beepers in college right they didn't even have cell phones in college whereas younger millennials they were given at age 13 a brand new iphone with a snapchat account right that creates a very different generation coupled with once again what i talked about with the recession of 2008 older millennials were already in the marketplace in terms of you know working for different employee you know as an employee and then younger millennials saw their mom and dad lose their job and then actually inherited all this student debt because of it and so it's kind of with that passion and some of these things i was like okay well i want to write i want to write something that whether it be my buddy that owns a restaurant or has a dentist office all the way up to the fortune you know 100 companies i want something that people can just read and um it actually have tactical things that they can start doing in their day-to-day -day that costs almost zero dollars and what you find with so many organizations is they're throwing money at the problems right and you know one of the things like in culture is one of those pieces that needs to come from your people and one thing i emphasize is you get a lot of these companies that are reactive that say you know they have a culture problem and they're buying beer kegs for their offices and doing all this stuff i had a lady i talk about it in the book i had a lady call me up and they're like chris I, I still can't get these millennials right. I've got two time, two full time baristas. I've got a cereal bar with over thirty different cereals for them to choose their own breakfast in the morning. Yet they're still not happy. What am I doing wrong? And I was like, you're, 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 you're throwing money at the problem versus being the solution yourself. What they want, they don't want the cereal bars and the beer kegs. They don't really care about that. What they want with you is they want two main things. They want connection with you as the boss, right? So take a vested interest in their personal lives because one thing that's very different about these generations, whether it be millennials or Gen Zers, is that their parents, if you compare it to our relationship, even your relationship with your parents or me being 40 years old and my relationship with my parents, we had a much more authoritarian relationship with them. Whereas these younger, the millennials and the Gen Zers, it was much more of like a peer-to-peer -peer relationship. They were also, you know, they, they got participation trophies through most of their upbringing as well. And so what they're looking for when they enter the marketplace is they want a real connection with you. And it's really with that connection. And then on the other side of it, this idea of context, they just want, you've got to be sharing those things that help them put together in their own head, why you're making the decisions that you're making. And, the third most important trait for leaders is this idea of transparency. And I think one of the big things I like to emphasize in working with especially small businesses is that that doesn't mean they want financial transparency and it doesn't mean on the other side of it that they want you to be crying in front of them and, and this idea of transparency being vulnerable. What they want from you is context. So help them with those things and why are you investing in the things that you're investing in what's working what's not working and share a little bit more of that so that they can put those things together 
And so, yeah, that's my long-winded way of kind of saying, like, so I've always felt inspired by um, really using some of these needs as a catalyst to change our organizations for the better, regardless of what generations it's coming from. Chris, I have a feeling you're not done writing. Uh, that is very true. So during this pandemic, uh, one of the things that, um, uh, you know, I sign all my books, the best is yet to come. And, you know, we talked about it just prior to coming up live, but I wanted to use some of this downtime to have a little bit more impact. And one thing that I recognized was I wanted to have more impact, especially in kind of the blue collared space. And uh, as I was kind of dissecting my own kind of talents and currencies, you know, one thing that people will say, they'll say, go to Chris Tuff for free stuff because I know everyone. And people are like, Chris, how do you network the way you network? And I'll start talking about some of these tactics. And I was like, you know what? i got to write a book around this. And any salesperson or any just human can attest to people going in and trying to sell to you way too early in the relationship. And if you're selling, for example, right, like cleaning supplies or whatever, like it, 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 on both ends of it, you know, you might find yourself reaching out or cold calling these people and you're just getting the cold shoulder. Or on the other side, people are trying to sell to you. And it's like, really, you're going in for an ask this early. And so I'm working on the next book, which is called Save Your Asks. And uh, it's all about okay, now, 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 to- folks, now, now, folks, you gotta, you got to remember, this is an audio show, so you got to pay attention to what he just said. Yeah. Okay, you're, you, can't, you can't see him. He can't show you a picture of what he's talking about. Uh, two things. Uh, clarify what you just said. And also, before we go much further, so I don't forget it. Sure. Currencies. I think we need yeah. to explain currencies here. So uh, this is asks. This yeah. is like, why am I doing ASKS. And right. so one example I use, I was talking to a dental, uh, uh, a guy, a friend of mine who just started uh, a, his own dentistry um, practice in uh, kind of rural South Carolina. And he was reaching out to me and he was like, tell me some of this stuff around Savior Asks. And, you know, how can that relate to my business as I'm opening up? And I was like, here's one thing that I want you to do is in, when you get people in the door for the first time, it, I call it, it's a race to the middle. And a race to the middle is a tactic of how fast can you get to a common passion point between you and the person that you're selling to. And with social media and digital, we can actually do research before meeting these people. And so as you're for example, if you're a salesperson at one of these organizations, uh, you know, one of these, if you're selling cleaning supplies or whatever it is, do a little bit of research before you reach out to those people to find out what is it that this person is passionate about before I actually go in with my ask and develop a relationship that way. And so for me, you know, some of those things that I all automatically go to, I'm like, do you grill, right? Because I love big green eggs. And, or I started watching sports because I'd watch sports highlights because I was like, okay, if they don't have kids, they're not a kiteboarder and they don't grill. I'm running out of that common passion point. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to find, I'm going to find out who won last night, what those highlights are, because it's a surefire way. It gets me to that hundred percent kind of common passion point, And I get there within about a minute and a half of a conversation or in the email, by doing a little bit of research, I can see that they're passionate about it. Be like, man, Atlanta United, I'm so sorry they lost last night. I mean, what about Martinez with that goal? Ah, oh. and then it's an automatic connection, right? And so 
that's one of the tactics that I think is so important with trying to find that common ground and starting to develop that relationship before you go and ask someone for their time. And, you know, whether it be on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, all of these tools are available to us to develop that relationship for a longer period of time. And you're going to, I think, like this one, this concept as well, which is um, you do that with this idea of uh, what I was brought to uh, called Shawshanking. And Shawshanking came to me with uh, when I first closed a big deal. I just signed a deal with a guy who I had met seven years prior, just kind of in the early days of Facebook and social media. And I turned to him and I'm like, listen, dude, I am the most ADHD person in the world. I don't respond to any emails. How are we right now closing the biggest deal of your life? And he turned to me. He goes, I just shushanked you. And I was like, tell me more. That sounds really interesting. He goes, every single week for the last seven years, I've had a touch point with you. I've been asking for anything, but I've had a touch point with you. And it might have been on instant message on Facebook. It might have been on Instagram via Instagram message or texting or an email. I've just reached out to you and had some sort of touch point. And it's through that that we've created this relationship. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm actually I'm I just started the sales process with a company, I'm going to Shawshank them. And I used the strategy and 18 months later, we landed the biggest, I landed the biggest win of my career. And uh, so that is kind of that, that idea, this idea of networking, I think is so, so many people go about it wrong. And mm. what I'm trying to shed light on is how to do it a little bit more effectively. Chris, I'm going to take a little bit of a break. We are sponsored sure. here by Jim Supply. Uh, they are a central uh, Florida supplier of the janitorial goods. They've been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. We are extremely happy to be powered and, well, just sponsored by them today. Without their support, the Academy of Cleaning Excellence and this podcast would not be possible. So I want to give them a shout out. If you need cleaning supplies, hey, if you're listening to this, you know that the distribution channel is stretched beyond limitations right now. So don't expect something to come out real quick, but they're coming in slowly. Everything is catching up with the pandemic. Uh, we, too, will get through this. Here at the Academy of Cleaning Excellence, we provide professional development education for everybody in the cleaning industry, whether you're an in-house supplier or a building service contractor. So please go to www.academyofcleaning.com. You'll find our courses there. You know, Chris, there's a, a few things that you talked about as uh, I was listening. Uh, I want to get back to that currency thing because yeah. uh, that's that's interesting. I had not used the word Shawshanked, but that is an age-old <laughs> thing it's that I've done. Yeah. I mean, I've done that for years, and and I think this is where a lot of people in the cleaning industry are are falling behind when they're not using all the social media in the right way. And I think this is one thing the millennials have really honed in on. And, and as you said, you're part of a digital advertising we're not talking about advertising in a magazine or in the newspaper anymore. Yeah, it's, I mean, everything's kind of moving to that social space. And I will say, 
one of the most effective places to actually develop that relationship isn't really LinkedIn where everyone automatically goes. It's actually on Instagram. And one thing that's different about Instagram is you don't have to pay to send messages to people. You can just send them directly. And they might not respond the first time, but by the second or third time that you're commenting and taking a vested interest in them, you'll find that a relationship can actually be curated that way. And I think, you know, even in this pandemic, one thing that is um, certain is that one, digital can't replace face-to-face. We all recognize that. But two, it can be surprisingly effective. And I use an example where I was on, I had met a guy, uh, and this is once again in the social media world, but uh, a friend of mine had just moved to Snapchat. And I met him, I had met him three years prior. And I went up to New York and I was with one of my coworkers and his name's Adam. And I went in to meet Adam with my coworker. I gave him a big hug back when hugs were actually acceptable. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, this would have been, a, you know, I guess a fist bump. But, uh, you know, and I, and I was like, dude, Adam, dude, your, your, your seven-month-old daughter looks so cute, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of just went in it. And my coworker, Christy, turns to me and goes, how long have you guys known each other? I was like, Adam, how long has it been? Like three years? He's like, yeah, I think so. He's, she was like, well, when was the last time you guys hung out? I was like, Adam, holy cow, we've never met before. We have never met in person. All of this relationship has been built via a closed Facebook group and um, – and Instagram. And, uh, you know, I think it's an important tool that so many people use in the wrong ways where they just think it's uh, just an advertising vehicle. And instead it's a relationship builder. So one thing I'd like to emphasize to people is you might not get it with the first interaction. You might not get it with the second, but this idea of Shawshanking also translates into how we interact in social media with, 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 our customer base in developing a relationship where we can finally build up enough of a relationship that you can go in for that ask. So save okay, that so ask until then. Yeah. Okay. So Chris, I need some free advice then. Sure. I haven't used Instagram that much. We got it. I got started using it about six months ago and, and quite honestly, I don't really know much. So what I've been doing is like whenever I get ready to start a class, I post a picture of the class starting. Uh, I post a picture of something happening during class or maybe of uh, somebody with their certificate, um, you know, things like that. Is this the proper way to do this now? So one thing about Instagram is like one thing I, uh, I'll emphasize is there's this terminology that I would use for people that uh, it's just, you got to blend in to stand out. And one thing that, uh, I mean by that is on Instagram, you got to look what's above you and below you in that feed. And a lot of the things that people are sharing on Instagram are, you know, one kind of those champagne moments, right? So some of those big things that you want to live out there, but also real life moments and things that make you the way that you are. And you look at that compared to Instagram stories. Instagram stories should be kind of behind the scenes, a, a, a deeper look at who you what makes you the way you are? So instead of it just being my kind of critique on your approach would be instead of it just being all of those awards and stuff, people want to know a little bit more about you and some of your hobbies and, you know, what it's like to live in Orlando and some of these other pieces that um, develop a little bit more of an idea as to 
how you are the way you are and why you are the way you are and what your hobbies and some of those passion points might be. So be a little bit more human with those, but then also utilize Instagram uh, stories to tell a little bit about the behind the scenes stuff. Right. Okay, so but I thought little, that's what we did. I, I thought that's what we did on Facebook, and I thought that's the reason that Facebook and Instagram are now work together. So different pieces, right? And different. I mean, Instagram. If you look at Instagram, it's actually you know obviously a, a much younger audience, as well as use cases. So a lot of people are just using Facebook for their posting. Um, you know, once a quarter, once every few months to whatever that big thing is, or if they're trying to sell something to announce it, almost like email used to act. And Instagram is more of their home base. So they're a little bit, they work together, but also different in that domain. Well, I didn't want to get into a whole lot of that, but hey, you, you, you piqued sure. my interest, so I had to ask. Yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm live with you on the air, so I'm not going to ask a question every once in a while, right? Well, I think also with that, like one of the things I emphasize to everyone, people are like, well, you know, let's talk about content for my organization. And for you, it's what the pictures you're posting, the videos you're posting. And people are like, well, how long should my video be? I hear that people's attention spans are only three <laughs> seconds long. And I'm like, listen. People attention spans are three seconds long, yet they're binge watching Netflix for seven hours. Okay. So right. content just be worth people's time, be worth people's time and ask your people what's worth their time for you. Give me those tips and tricks, right? Take some yeah. of the things we're lazy, right? Give me right. your top three um, learning points of that week and give it to me in snippets. So you pique my interest and then, I develop a little bit more of that and then I'll start, you know, taking more of the courses, et cetera. So just be worth people's time with your content. Yeah. And I think what you're saying though, Chris, is I, I we get this a lot. Um, you know, you get the learner that doesn't have time. They, they you know, we don't have an hour. I, I mean, I've got some people right now, they're trying to figure out what class to take. And the first sure. question they ask, how long is it? Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, and historically, you can't get a custodian to sit for an hour. They're doers. Right. They, they're, they're, they, I mean, they're active. They're doing. They don't sit. They don't sit in front of a computer. But yet, I had a seven-hour course, and they go, it's too long. I sit and I wrote back to them and said, what do I take out? Nothing. Right. I'm like, okay, exactly. if I can't take out nothing and it's too long, but see, that's, I think this is where we're getting a change right now. So what we have been learning and what we've been doing, is this going to upend everything now? Um, I think that, you know, we were talking about it. Crisis catalyzes change. And I think we're undergoing a massive change. Um, and I, I do feel like virtual learning environments as well as even, you know, work flexibility and working from home will, will continue to have more adoption, but mm -hmm. the truth will be somewhere in the middle, right? So, um, you know, nothing will be as impactful as sitting across from you teaching that course, right? Or me having that, you know, if you're a salesperson, meeting face-to-face -face is by far the most impactful way. But people are, you know, at the same time, people are a lot more open to, uh, both virtual, I think, learning as well as that, uh, you know, Zoom call or whatever it is to, instead of flying across the country, maybe that can be enough to 
to get someone to, uh, you know, to develop that relationship and feel confident that you've got uh, the right product and service. So, you know, I think once again, I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. You know, this is what everybody keeps asking. Almost all the podcasts that we've done in the last 60 days is what's going to be the new normal. I said, I don't think there is a normal. It's, yeah. And I don't think that's going to settle out for probably a year. Because unfortunately, as most people have been talking, that I've been talking with, I think we're getting ready for another another wave of this come the fall. So I think that that normal will be quite out there. Um you're 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 in the process of writing another book, but who is it that you mainly deal with? I, I heard you say currency. I still want to get to that and yeah. salespeople. What are, what are we talking about when it comes to millennials and sales and and moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I, one of the big things just as uh, I talk to any leader really with my stuff, and um, you know, if you have a team underneath you, um, then you know, I think you'll find the book very uh compelling and and tactical uh and one thing that i wanted to throw out there is that i actually have a um a free book right now I, i'll send you a free hard copy of the book if you go to quiz.themillennialwhisperer.com and uh i will give you you just take a quick test and you'll figure out what type of millennial leader you are i'll tell you in a video your strengths and weaknesses and then um, I, I, it's an offer to you just cover the shipping and I'll send you my $25 hardcover book. And once again, we sold almost 100,000 copies of these. Uh, so it's not that I'm just trying to get rid of excess inventory. People are willing to pay for it. Uh, but one of the things, I wrote this book to have an impact. And, um, you know, my metric of success, this, my book isn't, that's not how I make my living. That's not, I, I, this is my way of trying to change the workplace for the better and, um, so I want to emphasize that um, as much as possible. But, you know, for any leader, w breaking it down um, from the statistics, what young people, whether it be millennials that are 38 to 24 and Gen Zers are looking for from you are generally uh, four key characteristics. And one is inspirational leadership. They want to see you as an inspirational leader. Two, transparency three, autonomy, and four, authenticity. And we can talk about any one of those as well as some of the tactics that can help you enhance each one of those characteristics. But uh, I think it's really important to note that that's very different than prior generations of what people wanted in their leaders. And one of the biggest things when it comes down to is your people want to feel like you have a vested interest in them. And one controversial point and tactic that I bring up is you should follow your people on social media. And it's not to stalk them or to make it be awkward. It's so that come Monday when you see those people, you can see that you're, you know, for example, if you're following Meg, Meg just adopted a cute kitten and it's like, Meg, oh my gosh, that kitten you adopted is so cute. Tell me more. Meg's going to light up and be like, oh my gosh, this guy actually cares about my life. And Meg will light up and be like, oh yeah, you know, like I, I adopted at the local shelter, blah, blah, blah. And it's with little things like that that go so far that literally cost almost zero dollars. And, you know, even so this idea of inspirational leadership, the importance of rewards and recognition, which, uh, uh, I can talk about as well. So I'll let you 
whichever which way you want to take it. Well, I want to follow up on what you just said, because, you know, you, you, you brought up the fact we've got five generations, and I, I continue to tell that people all the time. In the cleaning industry, we're dealing with all of them. Now, we're not getting as many millennials in as we would like, and the older generation, you know, uh, is, is going to wane at some point. Um, but what you just said, to be recognized on a Monday morning about something that happened over the weekend that's personal, isn't that probably just good human contact in nature, regardless of what generation? Exactly. And the other, ta- I mean, in that same domain, one thing I use an example of an executive at the Home Depot, um, and my friend Mike, and he opens up all of his one-on-ones with any of his people. And he says, all right, guys, you can either talk about work or you can talk about life. And 80% of the time, those people choose that one hour a month with Mike, their boss, to talk about life. And what is the direct ROI on the business to that? Uh, immediately, it's nothing. But the, the secondary and tertiary ROI on that is that people actually feel like Mike cares about them. And Mike actually has context as to why they're performing or underperforming because they might be going through a tough time. And that is one thing that is so important in all of this. And to your point, it is general kind of, you know, just be a good human. But the way that our organizations have been structured and the things that we have learned as leaders are not that. We've been brought up that, you know, the boss needs to be the bossy boss and they have to kind of sit on a pedestal and kind of speak down to the people. And one thing that this next generation, not only are they um, asking it, they're demanding it. And uh, whether the economy is at 3% unemployment, which it was before this, or 15% unemployment, one thing I want to emphasize is that you will not be able to attract young talent to your organization, regardless of what's happening with the economy, if you do not have that vested interest and connection with them, um, as well as also having something, especially for younger millennials and Gen Zers now, that has more of a purpose orientation associated to it. Well, I think one of the things you're saying here, Chris, is as we look at the unemployment rate that we are faced with today, the people that come back to work, things are going to change. Um, and and I, I was thinking as you're saying that, I had a, a case happen uh, last week. We were doing our live remote classes, had about 50 people on the, on the call. And I'm demonstrating uh, on camera how to process a restroom uh, stall. And in the middle of my process, I hear this chicken crow in the background. And I just stopped, turned to the camera. I said, you know what? I was raised on a farm. I know the sound of chickens. Who's got a chicken in their bedroom? I love it. And and, and the thing is, is, uh, it it just broke the tension. It was real life. Yes, they came for a very intense course on saving lives. And we were, you know, we get very, very critical. It's a very personal subject. We're very passionate about saving lives. But right in the middle of it, the chicken crowed and we had to take a break and have a laugh. Mm-hmm. And that's life. And that's recognized. It. I think what you're seeing right now is as these people are coming back, have you noticed, uh, like I, how many of these video chats, uh, whatever you want to call them, and people are learning about the person behind the profession? 
A hundred percent. That's a great point. And you look at these feeds. I, I used to say that like social media, it was this striving. It, it's a ruthless pursuit of perfection. And I think one thing that is a silver lining of this is to your point is that, you know what, whether I'm G- Jimmy Fallon or, you know, whoever, this is my house and this is what it looks like. And things aren't as perfect as the set that we're around. Right. And, right. You know, and, you know, the other thing that I like to emphasize is that, you know, technology was the first thing that really introduced to all of us this idea of not work-life balance, but work-life integration. Because, you know, our hours, you know, when you respond to an email at 10 at night uh, on your phone, which is my expectation of my people, by the way, if I don't get a response within four hours, I'm like, what the hell is taking so long? (laughs) And so, you know, that idea of work-life integration, we got to look at work a little differently. And, um, you know, once again, at the same time, we got to also understand that some of these things that we're talking about, whether it be, you know, remote work or some of those things, that's only available to 35% of the population. Only 35% of the U.S. can actually work from home. The other, you know, the significant portion, they're hourly workers that they have to be in the places that they're at. So, but one thing to understand is that even as I talk to some of these dentists right now, I, I, I'm, I've become kind of like a dental, I guess, influencer, if you will. But <laughs> as I talk to these guys, they're like, well, what do I do about our hourly workers? Um, because, you know, they're not coming back and it's hard to get them back. You know, one, because of the dangers mm-hmm. involved with the job. But two, right. they're seeing their friends now working from home. And I was like, well, you got to meet them on their own terms and figure out new ways of working. So you might want to look at, you know, giving them a four-day work week and, you know, having up those hours in the Monday through Thursday. Because one thing is true is that all of their friends are no longer going in on work on Fridays. They're working from home. So figure out something a little bit more creative, regardless of what your industry is, to help meet them on these some of these terms. As we're talking this morning, Chris, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking here is that, you know, these, these folks that are going to be the future employers of the people that are unemployed right now have got to look at this in a different way going forward. That's going to be their new norm, which is totally upside down from what they were doing, because to attract those people, you know, as somebody said, oh, well, there's going to be a glutton of, of people coming and, and, and people take any job they can, so I don't have to worry about it. I don't know that that's true. No, and it's not true, especially for, I mean, the younger, I mean, 38-year-olds all the way down. What you will find is that they will sacrifice their home in an apartment and move in with mom and dad or with a buddy before they are willing to give up some of these other things. And that is the reality. And, you know, I used to, you know, kind of start my speeches is that for the first time ever, you have two generations that are willing to walk unless you start meeting them somewhere on their own terms. And I think that is still true given the current economy. Chris, we're probably looking at about another 10 minutes before we uh, need to conclude our session today. Um, I want to I, I want to go back to this currency thing. I want to get yeah. that. I, I, I heard it several times. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that my listeners oh, are going to know what we're talking. I love about. it. I love it. So one thing. Now you're going to get me all fired up. So <laughs> currencies are whatever you're doing in the world that you're getting paid for. Okay, and um, currencies 
Uh, my currency was, I was the digital and social guy. That's why people would go to me. You know, but, you know, some of my side currencies were also, I, I had cool glasses. People would go to me, hey, Chris, you know, where do I get glasses? But my main currency, right, is built around, was built around this social and digital media marketing side. And, you know, the closer your currency is to your own passion and purpose, the more fulfilled you are as a human being. It's where you hit this zone of special, whatever you want to call it, that most people aspire for, where your passion, your purpose, and profession all overlap. I mean, and you're probably a good example of it. You are so passionate on what you're speaking about, what you're doing, and, and, and that is something that everyone strives for. Now, one thing that I recognize out there, as I looked at even, you know, some of the people that are cleaning stalls, right, or it hit me when I was going through the public supermarket and I saw the guy stack, stacking the shelves. And I immediately came to a place in my own head where I put myself in their shoes. I said, what if that was my job? And the reason why that's so hard for me to wrap my head around is just the fact that my currency is so far from theirs. But the other thing that hit me as I was walking past them is what if I could help create a book and a system that that person, if they want to help evolve their currency, can do that. So that they can move from stocking the shelves to potentially working their way up to the register or whatever it is, to then something that might be way outside of where they're currently at, right? And so this idea of currencies, the only way that you can evolve your currency is with, with side hustles and passion projects. And once again, putting in the context of my own currency, I was the digital and social guy that hit kind of a rock bottom. And I start my book around my own rock bottom. I took a month off and I was like, you know what? I'm doing almost everything wrong. The things that used to fulfill me no longer do. So what can I do? And then I started the journey towards writing this book, which was a side hustle and a passion project. And then all of a sudden it became a national bestseller. And, and now I'm kind of working right now talking to you, right? Like I'm, this is, now become my 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 new currency and so one of the things that i like to emphasize to small businesses especially is allow your people to one identify their passions and their purposes and share that with you right take a vested interest what motivates you what are you passionate about do you know what kind of your overarching purpose is and then two give them the opportunity and give yourself the opportunity to act as that mentor to help them pursue that. And it might be with some of these things outside of work. It might be with you know donating their time to a nonprofit, but in doing that, you're gonna be able to help them evolve that currency. And all of us should be constantly evolving our currencies with side hustles and passion projects. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, and the thing is, is I, you know, there's a, there's a few things that every show I like to do and, and uh, ask some questions before we end. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure. Is, is that kind of your closing statement for the, for the podcast today, Chris? I will say my closing statement is this. If you want to have the biggest impact on your life, it's something that's way deep inside the millennial whisper that I've never really talked about that much but then in media interviews it started to come out and now it's kind of one of the most impactful pieces for audiences and it's this idea of turning let's into buy when and what that means is that especially as you look at networking 
or anything that you're trying to take on. We live in a very unaccountable society. We love to talk, 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 but we hate to walk the walk, right? <laughs> and so there's no worse email than me. And I, it would drive me crazy, especially from some of my you know, younger group that are on my team where, hey, let's do this, let's do that. And then nothing happens. And we can all attest to leaving a class or you know, even a, a convention or whatever. And it's like, yeah, let's grab dinner. Let's grab lunch. And then nothing happens. And so what I implore on everyone is automatically approach that let's with a buy when. So when someone says, yeah, let's grab lunch, let's grab dinner or whatever. And then you say buy when. And then all of a sudden what's going to happen is you're going to take out your calendars or the person is going to not take out their calendar and be like, I actually never really wanted to hang out with you anyways. I was just saying that to be nice. And it's like, right. fine, I don't really want to be involved with it anyway. <laughs> right? So, but what happens is that it actually will draw a new accountability and things will start getting done faster. And you'll, you'll be sitting across from that person in a week's time, grabbing that coffee or beer or, or whatever it is. And it actually happens. So my my last thing that I'll implore on everyone is find, answer that let's with a buy one. And everything that you're doing, especially as it revolves to networking. Chris, it's been very interesting talking to you this morning. Um, you know, every conversation I have with anybody that's on a podcast with us, it's a learning experience for me. And I think this is one of the things that we learned as we started into this this avenue, which most people in the cleaning industry don't go down, and I'm so glad that Jim Supply has given us the, the ability to do this here at the Academy, is to actually go out and do something more than just clean toilets and wash windows and teach how to disinfect surfaces. All important things, but going outside of the box and being able to talk with people like yourself, uh, with Tommy, and others that we've had on the podcast over the last year, we are trying to stretch outside of the normal cleaning industry to hear what other people have to say. So folks, if you've been listening to us live this afternoon or you're listening to us you know, in the recorded version, please understand we're looking to talk with anybody that, that really has something to say that's healthy, positive, and proactive. Chris, there's two questions I have of every guest and you're not going to get away without those questions. I normally don't ask a lot, but here's two of them. Yep. Where were you born? Uh, Akron, Ohio. And what's on your personal bucket list for this year? I'm learning how to uh, kite foil, which is a surfboard that has this foil underneath it that basically makes you float through the water. Uh, so I'm learning that. Um, with a kite attached to my uh, chest. <laughs> Folks, he's definitely not my age group. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there's a lot of things I could have said here through this uh, this morning. I appreciate the time, Chris. Uh, thanks to Tommy for getting us together. You're more than welcome to uh, join us again on another show later on in the year. If you want to, just give me a shout out and uh, I got a feeling that book's going to come around sometime. It may not be this year, but it'll be, it'll, it won't be too far away. Well, I love it. And you know, one thing that I wanted to emphasize to all those listeners out there, thank you all for, for what you're doing right now. And, um, you know, hopefully you have a sign in front of your business or house that says heroes work here. Um, and, uh, if you don't, 
definitely put one out there, especially for your younger employees, because what you're providing this world, you are saving lives. And we thank you for that. Uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, we do have a program here at the Academy. It's called the Rockstar Custodian uh, Program. It's uh, simply a motivational series of uh, that we put together. We worked with it last year. It's still running. We're recognizing people throughout the United States and the world, for that matter, that want to go to rockstarcustodian.com. You can go through the list of how to nominate somebody. Uh, during this pandemic time, there's plenty of people out there that are doing the right thing, doing it for the right reasons. We like to honor those people. Um, we're going to put some information. I, I think uh, Chris mentioned a, a free book. Folks, we'll put that in the show notes and some other information, uh, a video uh, link that I found to one of his little clips on LinkedIn. Go and like and share us here uh, at Podbean Live. Um, go to our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, our website, www.academyofcleaning.com. Again, thanks to Jim Supply for having us on. And Chris, thanks for being a speaker on our show today. Absolutely. And if anyone wants to connect, the best place to connect with me is on Instagram at tough22, T-U-F-F-2-2. And I will respond to any questions, comments, or whatever it is that's on your mind. Um, I can uh, hopefully shed some light in what we've talked about today. And thanks so much for having me on. Honor. And you heard Chris responds within four hours too, folks. Don't you let him off the hook. There. Oh, it'll be within like 15 Probably actually five minutes. It's, it's pretty good. <laughs> All right, Chris. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on our next episode. Before Between now and then, make sure that whatever you do, keep it healthy, positive, and proactive. We'll see you later.